Legends of the First Empire, Age of Myths, by Michael J. Sullivan, Chapter 3, The God Killer. He was called the God Killer, and we first heard about him from the traders traveling the northern routes. His legend grew, but no one believed, not at the beginning, except me, the Book of Brent. Wraith enjoyed a good campfire, something comforting about the dancing light smell of smoke, and the way his face and chest were hot but his backside cold. He sensed a profound meaning in this duality, as well as in the enigma of flickering flames. The fire spirit spoke in spitting sparks and shifts of choking smoke, but the meaning of each remained a mystery. Everything in nature was that way. All of it spoke to him, to everyone, in a language few could understand. What secrets, what wisdom, and what horrors might he learn if only he knew what it all meant. One of the few spirits I get along with, Wraith said, tossing another branch of the flames. What is? Malcolm asked. The ex-slave turned fugitive compatriot was seated beside Wraith, both windward to avoid the smoke. He was busy removing the blanket from around his neck. The material was thin enough to tie in a knot, and when they traveled, he wore it like a sash. The fire. Wraith said, grabbing another branch from the pile they had gathered. He snapped it in half and tossed the pieces into the flames. You think fires are spirits? Wraith raised a brow. What, you think it's a demon? He had heard it before, most notably from a neighbor who'd left his cook fire unattended while taking a piss in the river. When the man returned, his dung house was burning. Could be, Wraith considered. It has a nasty temper when it's loose. But I honestly don't think a demon would come so easily when summoned. Certainly not by the likes of me. Malcolm stared at him, something he did often. The light of the fire cast his eyes in shadow. Wraith wasn't one for conversation, and Malcolm's blank stares after such comments didn't provide much incentive. The fray slave must have lived a sheltered life. Everything Wraith told him came as a surprise. My father always said fires were only dangerous if they got bored, Wraith pressed on. Left alone, they get frustrated and resort to evil. Best way to keep a fire happy is by letting it lick food and hear stories. Malcolm continued to watch him, blinking this time, his mouth partially open. He's tired, Wraith decided, cold, miserable, and most of all, scared. All understandable given their situation, even Wraith struggled to keep a positive outlook. I would have never guessed a forest could be stingier than the rocky plains of Durea. This was their eighth night in the Crescent Forest, and the world of giant trees still hadn't welcomed them. The wood offered few paths, forced them through thorny brambles, and denied them all but the most meager subsistence. That day, they had feasted on six black beetles the size of a thumbnail, seven larvae they found under peeling bark, sap leaping out of a broad-leaf tree, and a bunch of pine cones, which they had to roast to get at the nuts. At a clear stream, Wraith had tried to spearfish while Malcolm attempted to grab them, but after several frustrating hours, they gave up. This will be another hungry night. In the dark of the canopy-induced premature night, the two sat side by side in a tiny clearing carpeted in brown needles. They watched the fire and listened to the wind and creaking trees. The massive evergreens swayed, their tops sweeping the sky and denying any glimpse of the stars. Wraith could have oriented himself if he could have seen them, Trapped under the canopy, he was blind and convinced they'd been walking in circles. 
The evening meal is being served in Allen Wrist, Malcolm said in a wistful tone as he shook out the blanket and wrapped it around himself. Venison, probably. Slow roasted so it's tender. There'll be cheese, too, and some poultry like partridge or quail. Certainly fresh bread, pudding. Oh, and wine, of course. But they're eating right now. Evening meals are wonderful. He looked like a man recalling a lost love. Are you familiar with the concept? That's when you eat something in the evening. He sighed in remembrance. I used to partake of that particular ritual all the time when I was a slave. But thank the gods I'm free now. It was Wraith's turn to stare at Malcolm. Sorry, I'm just hungry. Wraith continued to glare. What? Did he beat you? Wraith asked. Who? She gone? Wraith nodded. Because if he did, I could see why. Malcolm frowned. No, he didn't beat me. The fray cheat their slaves well. Certainly better than you. You're not my slave. And I thank all that is sacred for that. Malcolm waved at a pair of tiny black bugs that had gathered in front of his face. Insects were coming out with the warmer weather, which wasn't all that warm yet. If the fray were so great, why'd you bash old Shigon on the head? Wraith asked, realizing he ought to have inquired sooner, but the death of his father, concern over being hunted, and their constant search for food had pushed other thoughts out. Malcolm plucked up a brown needle, of which there were millions. Rubbing it between his fingers, he shrugged. Even a well-treated slave prefers to control his own destiny. I saw a way out and took it. Everything would have been fine if you hadn't lost your mind. Shigon would have been angry, but not enough to bother chasing after us. He wasn't that ambitious, but now that he's dead, revenge will be a matter of honor. He paused, looked over, and asked, What about you? Why'd you do it? Kill him? Malcolm nodded. I don't know. Shouldn't have. When he killed my father, I didn't think... I just acted, just like Herkimer would have. Fun thing is, I never wanted to be like him. Didn't want to go off and fight in the wars. Had no desire to seek fame and glory. That was his ambition, his and my brother's. I would be happy living a simple life with a wife and a few children. And yet, all the years my father spent teaching me to fight just kind of kicked in. You know what I mean? He looked at Malcolm and realized he didn't. Not the blank stare this time, but no recognition. A Durayan would have understood, but Malcolm had spent too much time with the fray and barely seemed human. I have no excuse other than to say I did it for him. Sons are supposed to do that, aren't they? Avenge their fathers? That's how things are done in Durea, at least. Not a nice place, I gather, this Durea. Barren rock and dirt, mostly. Lots of thin bit of grass, too. Wonderful if you're a goat. And the people? Mean. You're not mean. Wraith raised a brow. You don't know me or my people. Clan Duray is famous for growing offensive bastards who rather drink than work, fight than talk, and are the source of all evil in the world. If you were as nasty as you suggest, you probably would have killed Meryl and me, taken the horse, and not bothered to bury your father. Wraith threw his hands up. I'm odd, a disappointment to my clan. The son of Copper Sword who never went to war. In Duraya, everyone fights. The fray call for warriors and up go the hands. It's how we eat, because we aren't goats. And you know you're living in the high life when you envy goats. Wraith frowned, threw a stick in the fire inside. My father just wanted some decent land. Crossing the river was the first sensible thing he'd ever done. Your father was being unreasonable, dragged you to where you aren't allowed, 
the Rune Chieftains all signed treaties assuring you'd keep your own lands. Shigon was unreasonable too, telling us to leave is one thing, but you can't ask a man to throw away a sword. Swords might be common in Allen Wrist, but they're rare on this side of the rivers. That wasn't unreasonable. A treaty violation is one thing, but doing so with weapons is an act of war. You and your father would have been killed on sight had an Instaria patrol found you. But Shigan was from the Asinwair tribe, and he was going to give you a way out. Still, leaving you with the sword would have been irresponsible. If you lingered or doubled back and the Instaria found you, they would view your armed presence as an invasion, a scouting party perhaps. The Instaria would have marched on Rulin. What Shigan did wasn't unreasonable. It was an act of kindness. Wraith hadn't known any of that. He wished he still didn't. It's not all your fault, Malcolm added in a softer tone. Shigon could have explained things better, but the Frey aren't in the habit of reasoning with those they consider only slightly above animals. It wouldn't have mattered. The sword was my father's pride, his honor. It was who he was. Handing it over would have been the same as placing his head on a chopping block. Worse. He'd have been giving up his soul. And now his great blade is yours. Such as it is. Wraith drew the broken copper out of the scabbard and looked at the severed edge. Shigon's blade cut through it like I was holding a stick. And this was the best weapon in our clan. It's been handed down from father to son for generations. Legend holds it was crafted for my great-great-grandfather by Durg in return for saving his life. Wraith slipped a shattered sword back into its sheath. Then he bit his lip and took a breath. I haven't thanked you. Don't bother. I did you no favor, Malcolm assured. I would have died if you hadn't. Malcolm raised his head to peer curiously at Wraith. You're still going to die. You're just going to spend some time beforehand with a hungry stomach and sore legs. But on the bright side, you'll be remembered. One doesn't kill a god and go unnoticed. Out in the dark, beyond the ring of a firefly, a loud wood-on-wood wood strike ripped through the night. Not a snapping branch, although that would have been disturbing as well. They had heard those sounds before, animals of unknown size roaming in the night. The sounds of the forest made it hard to sleep, but this wasn't that. Not a crack, this was a slap. An odd, hollow sound, and both of them got to the feet. Together, they peered into the gloom as Wraith put more wood on the fire. What was that? Don't know, Wraith whispered. Could be anything. How about some examples? I suppose the worst thing would be a row. Worst thing? Why did you have to start with the worst thing? Why not assume it was a dead tree falling on another? Relax, I don't think it's a row. We'd have seen human bones by now, and we'd also be dead. Oh, well, thanks for the reassurance. So what else might it be? Wraith looked at him and smiled. A falling tree? Malcolm smirked. Seriously, though. Wraith looked around at the moss-covered rocks and then at the tree. Leshy? And what is a leshy? Woodland spirit. They're probably covering our path so we won't know which way to go in the morning. They're mischievous, but not generally dangerous to grown men. Malcolm stepped back as the heat of the fire grew with the added wood. Part skeptical, part hopeful, the two locked eyes with each other. Wraith nodded. I've seen them before during a spring wood gathering. There are these little lights that float above the grass. Those are fireflies. Sure, some are, 
but the brightest lights are leshies, whose favorite sport is luring children away from homes, sometimes to a fast-flowing river or deep lake where they drown. Don't you have any happy stories? Malcolm grims. You're depressing the fire spirit. Wraith shrugged and tossed another stick in the flames. I'm from Dorea. That's what we have. Malcolm peered back over the top of the flames at the dark of the woods beyond them, then shook his head. I don't think it's Leshies. For a person who had been certain of his own death without Wraith, Malcolm was decidedly resistant to his guide's wisdom. I'm not so sure. I think they've been confounding us, Wraith said, hiding the obvious trails, keeping us lost in this blasted forest. Malcolm opened his mouth to speak just as another clap rent the air. This time it creaked first, a yawning wrench and then the slap. More than that, Wraith heard faint laughter and distant singing. The two men stared at each other, shocked. I smell food, Malcolm said. Wraith was nodding. He did too, something savory. The breeze had shifted, sending smoke in the direction, but also the smell of cooked meat. You might be right about it not being leshies. It could be crimbles instead. They've known to have great parties and feasts. Parties? Malcolm got to his feet. Maybe we should. No, don't. Wraith grabbed Malcolm's heart. But food. You remember food, right? I mean, real food. That's how they lure you. Doorways in the trees lead to their homeland, a magical place called Nog. Once there, they'll lay you down in feathered beds and play music while treating you to roasted boar, deer, beef, and lamb covered in cream and sweet and honey. All you can eat. Malcolm was licking his lips. Then they fill you with ale, wine, mead, and pies. Really? Pies? What kind? Doesn't matter what kind because you can't get out. Once you go in, you eat their food, you're trapped forever in Nog. So? What do you mean, so? Is the food good? I've heard it's supposed to be incredible. And the beds are soft and warm? Wraith nodded. So what you're saying is, is that we can stay here, Malcolm gestured around them, and starve in this horrific forest, or we could live the rest of our lives in the wonderland of abundance, music, and mirth. Sounds awful. Let's go. Ray tried to think of a rebuttal. Framed that way, he was hard-pressed. Also, Malcolm held up a finger. What are the odds of the fray finding us in this magical land of Nog? Wraith found it was his turn to stare blankly. Then he looked into the dark of the trees in the direction of the laughter and song. Help me put the fire out. They scattered the sticks and stomped the flanks to glowing coals, and then Wraith led the way into the trees beyond. With each step, the sounds grew louder. Voices, and at a time, a dog's bark drifted on the night air. The world grew lighter as stars emerged from the thinning canopy. Wraith realized they had been on the edge of the forest. Together, the two climbed out into a field where a well-trodden road snaked beneath a half-moon. In the distance, firelight shone out of a wooden building's windows. Is that the land of Nog? Malcolm asked. No, it's a roadhouse, a way station for travelers. We're travelers, Malcolm said with bubbling, hope-filled glee. Do you think they'll give us food? Malcolm shrugged. Only one way to find out. Wraith hated being stared at. All too often, it marked the prelude to a fight. He also didn't care much for strangers. They set him on edge. Little wonder, then, 
that he wasn't pleased as he and Malcolm sat in a room surrounded by a dozen unfamiliar faces staring at them as they ate. Nothing had been said, at least nothing loud enough to hear. The whispers had started near a large wooden bowl where a pair of women dished out lamb stew, speaking softly to each man. After receiving a portion, the one getting his meal looked over. Sometimes they glanced at Malcolm, but mostly they stared at Wraith, as if he wore a pig for a hat. When the men returned to their places, they continued to stare, whispering amongst themselves. What do you think they're saying? Wraith asked, nudging Malcolm in the ribs. The former slave didn't raise his head from his bowl. That your fine-looking man, followed by a debate as to which of their sisters should be given in marriage, he shrugged. How should I know? I think they're planning to cut our throats. I like my guess better. Malcolm finished the statement by wiping the bottom of his bowl with his fingers and sucking it. Maybe after my story, we can get seconds. I didn't think you were hungry. You've taken forever to finish the little taste they gave us. I wanted to make it last in case it's all we get, Malcolm said, licking his bowl. In general rune society, is it bad manners to suck on a bowl? In general rune society, there's no such thing as manners. But I wouldn't refer to anyone's runes. That's a fray word, and we don't like it much. At least, not in Dorea. Down here it might be different. They're more accustomed to doing what they're told. And as for the story you promised, you don't plan on telling them the truth, do you? Of course not. I'm hungry, not a fool. And that story won't feed us. We'll get tossed out by those still awake. Well, just don't say anything that anyone would take offense at. Have a little faith. Malcolm began sucking on the rim of the bowl. Such an odd man, Wraith thought. Not because of Malcolm's affection for the bowl. That was the most normal thing he'd done. He was strange because of everything else. The former slave didn't have a beard and wore his hair short and combed. He sat too straight, cleaned his hands and face each morning and before every meal, complained about the stains on his clothes, spoke with a weird kind of elegance, and used a host of words that Wraith didn't recognize. Are you a good storyteller? Mm-hmm, Malcolm replied with a bowl still in his mouth. What? Malcolm stopped sucking. We'll see. The roundhouse occupied most of the area within the palisade, these were pens to house animals and a shed for supplies, but the bulk of the road station was taken up by the hall they sat in. In Dorea, the hut's walls would have been made of clay and a cone-shaped roof fashioned from bundles of grass. This one was nicer, built of solid wood with a sturdy shake roof that probably wouldn't blow off with every strong wind. The space was large and there was plenty of room around an open fire pit, a pit that burned wood instead of dried dung. What's your names? A man inquired, one of the older ones who'd finished his meal and was stretching his legs. Maybe he was pushed into addressing them. More likely, he was a leader or wanted to be seen as such. When he spoke, the whispers stopped and everyone looked their way. What's yours? Wraith asked, a sharpness in his voice. No need to be that way. Just curious is all. A man can be curious, can't he? He looked over his shoulder for support. Soft and squat, he was the sort who needed reassurance. We know everyone else here. We've seen each other on the roads for years. That's Cain over there, son of Hale, who passed on this route five years ago. He done well with it, too. Over there is Hemp of Clan Menahan, a respected wool trader. I'm Justin of Dal Ren. Everyone knows me, but none of us have seen either of you here before. So who are you? But you already know our names, Wraith said, 
the man at the gate asked and spread the word about us. I see you whispering, but I'm not hiding anything. Just trying to get by. We got lost in the forest. Seeing smoke and smelling food, we hope to find some hospitality. That's all. Not here to make any trouble or push anyone around. Go ahead. Ask what you want. I'll answer. No reason to be so touchy. We're only traitors. The man looked around again, and many heads in the hall bobbed over their bowls. A few grumbled affirmative replies. All stared hard at Wraith, as if they expected him to perform magic. See, we're trying to survive, same as you. My oxen drag logs up and down the trail between Dalaran and Nadak, sometimes over to Minahan. They need wood out that way. I'm not the sort to look for trouble either. Justin held up his hands and turned around. You can see I don't have nothing. We'll leave our spirits outside the hall. Makes it friendly, you know. An unspoken rule. But you're sitting here with cop on your back. Ain't no call for weapons. It's broken. Is that so? He looked around at the other men, most of whom were putting down their bowls or turning in their seats. Eyes shifted and necks strained. The pattern of your laymore and the bedding you're sitting on. Is that the design of Clan Dorea? That's right. What of it? Wraith had expected this. Go ahead. Say it. You got something stuck in your teeth? Some plague you want to blame on me? Go on and ask what you really want to know. The man's face tightened. All right. There's a rumor that a god was slain. Of all things, Wraith hadn't expected that. Gods are immortal, he replied, pleased with how clever his response was. He picked up his empty bowl and pretended he was still eating. We thought so, too. Wraith ran his finger around the inside of the empty bowl the way Malcolm had. A rumor, then. Some guy boasting. Faces in the hall looked at one another. Weren't no man who said it. Where it is, the fray themselves came down from Allen Rest. They're looking for a rune who killed one of their own. They say it was a man from Dorea who used a copper sword. Not many of those around. Funny you have one. Also said the weapon broke in the fight. Apparently, it happened a week ago on the other side of the burn. The man looked hard at Wraith. Where exactly are you coming from? Of course, of course. Makes sense, doesn't it? Wraith was nodding. Menahan is known for wool and pretty daughters. Everyone knows the best poets and musicians come from Melon. Nadok provides the finest furors, but what is Dorea known for? Causing trouble, right? That's what you're thinking. If a loaf of bread goes missing, a brawl starts, or an unwed daughter ends up with a child, Dorea's are to blame. And when the gods come looking for a troublemaker, who's it going to be? Then how did your blade break? And come to think of it, that's a pretty specific detail, isn't it? Kind of strange that was mentioned and now you're here. You know what I think? I reckon the god was killed and it was you who done it, Justin said. He was standing as firmly as he could, making a fine show, but Wraith could knock him down easily enough. Justin should have known that too. Fighting was the other thing the men of Durea were known for. Living on rocks and stone made hard men and Dorea boys learned to swing early. That was the way of it. The only way for them, at least. You're right, Malcolm shouted as he stood up. All eyes shifted, including Grace. He was the one who killed Shigon of the Asendoir. Grace wanted to throttle the skinny, weasel-faced man, but it was out there now. The question was what to do about it. Wraith was never one for lying. That was what others did, not Durant's. Yeah, I did it. Why? Justin asked. He killed my father, right in front of me, 
with my father's blade. This one here. Wraith patted the scabbard still strapped to his back. But how is that possible? A young man asked. He sat bundled on the blanket, part of it over his shoulders, like a woman's shawl. He might have been Cain, son of Hale, but Wraith didn't have a head for faces and names. They can't die. Now you say that? Where was your tongue a minute ago, Cain? Rain thought. But all he said was, apparently they can. But how did you do it? This time it was Justin again. I took the sword from my father's body and swung as hard as I could. The fray had a weapon that sliced right through it. Cut it clean in half. I was dead. I knew it. And the fray knew it. That's when, that's when Wraith, son of Herkimer, the hero of Dorea, did something amazing. Malcolm interrupted. The thin man moved to the center of the roundhouse. He crouched slightly, fanning his fingers. He spoke in a loud, clear voice that carried across the hall and demanded attention. You see, Shigon was a master of the hunt. All members of the Asindawir are. I should know. I live with him in Alan Risk. He pointed to the metal collar around his neck. His slave and personal valet. He was the worst possible sort of fray. A coal if there ever was one. I've seen him and his kind raid our villages and capture women. They don't rape them. Oh, no. Frey don't defile themselves with our women. Do you know what they do with them? They feed them to their hounds because they're beasts like soft meat. Gasping grumbles escaped lips. But as I said, Shigon was the worst of them all. He and his band of butchers traveled the lands beyond the burn, a pack of bloodthirsty wolves. I once saw them test a blade sharpness by cutting off a child's hand, severed it with two hacks. Unsatisfied, he commanded his smith to sharpen the blade further, then tried it once more. The child's of the hand came free. What a single slice. Shigon was a fiend, a vile monster, and a fray, which meant he was arrogant. His overconfidence proved to be his undoing. Shigon saw no threat in Wraith or any man. A rune, that's what they call us, and that's all they see. Couldn't possibly inflict any harm, but never before had a rune fought back. No one had the courage, and none possessed the skill. The fray had ruled the world for eons. They vanquished the Dern, routed the giants, and chased the goblins into the sea. They have no equal, no fear of any living thing. Until now. Malcolm paused and scanned the room, and seeing he had everyone's attention, he continued. So casual, so callous was Shigon's attack that Wraith dodged it with a skillful leap. Shigon, who was so certain of an easy victory, stood in shock when Wraith slipped through his grasp. How dare he? I saw that thought painted on his face. How dare Wraith not die? In that moment of disbelief, Wraith acted brilliantly. For what Shigon couldn't know was that this was no ordinary room before him. Wraith was a master of combat, the likes of which this world has yet to see. The metal of his blade had broken, but the metal of the man rang true. Using only the broken hilt of his sword, Wraith slashed at the villain's exposed wrist. So unaccustomed to pain, so shocked and dismayed, Shigon dropped his sword before it hit the ground. Wraith, son of Herkimer, caught it and stabbed upward, driving the blade home right through the monster's throat. Every mouth in the hall hung agape, and each man leaned forward to hear better. Shigon, the vile lord of the fray, fell dead before Wraith. So shocked were the dozen other fray, murderers and oppressors of men, that they ran in fear, and they took flight. He shouted after them that mankind would no longer bow to false gods. Malcolm straightened the folds of his stained and torn robes. It was then 
that the great wraith of Clan Durea took the time to cleave my bonds of servitude. Come with me, he said. Come with me and breathe the air of freedom. We journeyed together through the terrible crescent forest, but I traveled unafraid, for Wraith the God Killer was by my side. Not even when Leshies confounded our path, leaving us lost for days and nearing starvation, did I despair. You see, the spirits of the forest delighted in having so great a champion as the God Killer within its eaves. They confused us to keep him within their realm. After many days, he knew he wouldn't escape unless he could outwit the forest. Wraith cleverly posed the riddle. Four brothers visit this wood, he said. The first is greeted with great joy. The second is beloved. The third always brings sad tidings, and the last is feared. They visit each year, but never together. What are their names? While the forest was trying to solve the riddle, Wraith and I made our escape and only now emerged, starved and exhausted. And that is how we came to sit with you this night in this honored hall. Malcolm returned to their blanket and gestured in Wraith's direction. Before you, before all of you, sits a hero of the clans. A man who refused to die when the bloodthirsty fray demanded a rune's life on a whim. Here is a hero who for one brief, wondrous moment struck a blow for the dignity and freedom of us all. Wraith, son of Herkimer, clan of Dorea. He took his seat while the men in the hall clapped their bowls against the table, drumming their approval. Justin raised his hand to stop them. Hold on, hold on. Wouldn't a man who killed a god and broke his blade take the god's sword as his own? Before Wraith could think, Malcolm threw back the blanket and revealed Shigon's golden-hilted sword, its blade and jewels gleaming in the firelight. Indeed he would. The hall erupted in drumming once more. Are you crazy? They like my story, but it's not true. Really, I remember it exactly that way. A big man with a shaved head and curly black beard stood up. He was taller than Wraith, and there were few people who fit that description. He wasn't merely tall. He looked as solid as an ox. Bullocks, he said, thrusting his chin out and pointing a finger at both of them. So you have a pretty sword. So what? What does that prove? You don't look like a god killer to me. I'm Donnie of Nadok, and you look like a pair of liars hoping for a free meal. His words silenced the room, an uneasy void interrupted only by the pop and hiss of the fire. Wraith looked over at Malcolm and whispered, See, this is the problem with your plan. There's always going to be a Donnie. Of course, you could prove it, Donnie said. The way I figure, a man capable of killing a god ought to be able to best little old me. What do you say, Wraith of Durea? Think you can manage that? Can you be him? Malcolm whispered. Wraith looked at Donnie and shrugged. Looks a lot like my older brother, Hegel. Can you do it without killing him? Well, that makes it a lot harder, Wraith replied. Killing him won't get us any more food. What do they do to you in Alanrist? Feed you every day? One of the many habits I've picked up. Well, little man... Donnie taunted. I'm calling you a liar. You also called me little. I'm still trying to figure out which offends me the most. Donnie walked to the back of the roundhouse where the remains of the lamb lay. He picked up a butcher knife. He's got a knife now, Wraith told Malcolm. The ex-lady patted his belly and smiled. 
Wraith removed the broken sword and gave it to Malcolm to go along with Shigon's blade. Better hang on to both of these, or I might be tempted. The big man stepped away from the lamb and laughed when he saw Wraith disarming. I'm still using this knife. Figured you would, Wraith said. And I'm going to gut you. Maybe. Wraith took off his laymore, leaving him in his buckskin. Growing up with three older, sadistic brothers, all of whom had been trained by a father who learned fighting from the fray, had taught Wraith a few things. The first was that he could take a beating. The second was how much opponents underestimated a smaller man, especially when he was unarmed. His brothers often made that mistake. Donnie raised a knife, and Wraith saw the smile he had hoped would appear. His oldest brother, Haim, had made that same face. Once. Wraith expected Donnie to move in slowly with his blade held high, perhaps holding his free hand outstretched to block anything Wraith might try. That was how Haim had fought, but Herkimer had trained his sons, and the old man didn't care how much damage they inflicted on one another. Didon had lost a finger once because Herkimer wanted to prove a point about losing concentration. Fact was, they all had learned to fight the Duran way, for survival. Donnie wasn't Duran. The big man charged like a bull, flailing the knife above his head and screaming. Wraith could hardly believe it. This was the type of move an old woman with a broom might use to scare rabbits from the vegetable garden. Wraith waited until the last moment, then stepped aside, leaving a knee behind. Donnie didn't even try to swing. Maybe he planned to stab Wraith after knocking him down. Unfortunately for Donnie, Wraith's knee landed squarely in the man's stomach. A whoosh of air came out and Donnie collapsed in a ball. Wraith stomped on the hand holding the knife, breaking at least one finger and persuading Donnie to let go. A kick to the face left the big man whimpering. Are we done? Wraith asked. Donnie had both hands over his face, sobbing. I ask, are we done? Donnie howled, but managed to nod. Okay then, here, let me see. Wraith bent over the ox and pried the big man's hands away. Blood ran from Donnie's nose, which was skewed to one side. You're all right, you only broke your nose, Wraith lied. The last two fingers on Donnie's right hand were unnaturally twisted, but Wraith didn't see any point in bringing that up. Donnie probably wasn't feeling them, not yet. His whole hand was probably numb. Wraith got on his knees next to Donnie. I can fix your nose, but you have to trust me. Donnie looked nervous. We're done fighting, right? Wraith nodded. Didn't want to in the first place, remember? Now relax. I know how to do this. Done it myself once. But don't try this yourself without lying down first, or you might have to do it twice. Wraith gently placed his fingers on the fractured bridge. I won't lie to you. This will... Wraith snapped Donnie's nose back in place with a practice wrench. His father had taught them the importance of distraction, and one of the best ways was to act in mid-sentence, assuming the opponent was willing to talk. But it was his sister, Kaylin, who had applied the technique for medicinal purposes when she pulled out one of Wraith's baby teeth. Donnie screamed, then cringed in the dirt. He lay panting as his uninjured fingers gingerly explored what his eyes couldn't see. All better, Wraith declared. Well, it will be after you go through the black-eyed recruiting stage, but you'll keep your handsome profile. Several of the men approached, led by Justin. Angus, he shouted to the proprietor. Bring as much food as these two can eat and take it from my balance. It's not every day a man gets a dime with a hero. 
The young man with the blanket over his shoulder declared, I'll give another pot of honey to have Wraith and his servants share the best spot near the fire with me. Malcolm offered Wraith a wide smile. Wraith nodded and replied, You are a good storyteller.